At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to Lorehammer Listener Lore, the Warhammer 40k podcast where you get to write the script. If you would like to submit your story, you can email lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support the show and maybe even jump your story in the line, or maybe even read stories with me, or maybe you have a story you would like to read to me, head on over to Patreon at Lorehammer Listener Lore and check out all the cool ways to get involved and support the show. Enjoy. Welcome to Lorehammer Listener Lore, the 40k podcast where you, Marcus, wrote the script. Ooh, yeah. Hey, I'm your guest host this time, and uh, my name's Marcus, and I'm joining me today is B. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Excited to have you. Yeah, I'm excited to share. Uh, so this story I wrote, so it's a real privilege and honor to make it on the show. Yeah, I was. We're, we're honored to have you here. Yeah, like I was originally thinking, like, who do I want on, Trevor Buzak or Batty B to yeah. join me? I yeah. mean, it's an obvious answer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Trevor's old news. <laughs> so, yeah, today I am uh, sharing my lore. I'm excited to share it, actually. It's, uh, it's a Space Marine chapter. And we're just going to read back and forth. I wrote uh, six pages of notes, double-spaced, one graphic. So, you know, pretty formal, nothing too crazy, but pretty fucking formal. Yeah, I am actually very excited to give the backstory of what it's like watching you come up with this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm always busting into, into rooms like, hey, what about this? Yeah, it, and it's funny when you're writing it because you don't see anything else. You're never on your phone unless you're writing your chapter. And it's a privilege. It's, it's amazing. It's ah, yeah, yeah. Okay, way to... Well, sycophantia over there. Perfect. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the, the chapter is called The Astra Crota. And uh, we're just going to read it to you. Um, I'll start and uh, we'll just jump back and forth. Overview. The Astrocroda, or the Space Crocs, were founded for the purpose of hunting down dangerous crotalid infestations. The chapter is fleet-based, preferring to recruit from tribal hunter populations. They are non-codex compliant and will have only a few hundred marines at a time. Donning exclusively Gravis armor on the battlefield, and primarily wielding bolters and missile weaponry and power fists to help in their task. And then uh, I inserted that cool picture like where it's like GW, uh, it's a template that you put in a paint and you can paint your primary space marine. 
It's so detailed. Yeah, so I, I, <laughs> I have the color scheme there. Um, it's like kind of tan with gold trim and black knees and black shoulders. But basically the color pattern is like kind of a, a crocodile, like mm-hmm. a tan kind of crocodile. I see it like Florida like in the... The, what do you even call it? The bayou. The bayou. <laughs> <laughs> I don't fucking know. Uh, yeah, and then it has a nice white uh, belly armor, chest and belly. So it's like, yeah, that underbelly is white and very lizard-like. And then I photoshopped in like some lizard scales and like he's holding some teeth necklace and, uh, you know, laid out how my chapter kind of looks. But That's awesome. you have to go on Discord and look at it. Uh, I'll read founding and history as well, and then you can read the next one. Oh. So the next part is founding and history. The Space Crocs were founded in M42 during the Ultima founding with the intent of strategic strategic prognostication. With the wisdom learned by one of the High Lords of Terra, the chapter was created with the critical purpose of hunting down crotalid populations before they reach critical migratory mass. If they do reach mass, a congregation of crotalids will instinctually open a warp portal hurling them across the galaxy into a more often-than-not suitable location. As the High Lords of Terra learned after his Paradise World, Redacted, was infested, to help in the hunt, the librarians of the chapter are skilled in divination. This has given them the gift of being able to predict migratory jumps made by the Crotalids. In its short history, the chapter has shown extreme success in dealing with these dangerous incursions, However, the crotalid threat seems to always exist, as crotalids from hundreds of years prior may arrive at any moment, delayed in transit. The longest recorded warp stall was from early M37. When not dealing with their primary threat, the chapter will engage in usual Astartes operations, just at smaller scale due to the size and organization of the chapter. The chapter will often come into conflict with orcs, as Swampy Backwater World is an ideal breeding ground for the feral orc populations. Sometimes, a chapter's librarian might misread crotalid migratory arrival dates, and have to wait a few hundred years on an imperial head world. These planets often call for aid themselves in these dark times, or at the very least know of a planet nearby that does. The chapter will obviously lend a hand in stopping these threats, since why stop one dangerous Xenos? only to let them get abducted by Dark Eldar Raiders or some other foul creature. Wow. Yeah, those are some words. Those are some words. Okay, can we just, like, back up a little bit? I'm new to this whole thing. What is a crotalid? Okay, so crotalid is, like, think a crocodile, but it's in 40k, so it's, you know, dialed up to 11. Its teeth are as big as my arms. It weighs, you know, it's 20 feet long. They're crazy crocodiles. Oh, okay, so this explains... The armor. Yeah, yeah. You want some thick armor if you're dealing with these crocodiles that will just like clamp onto you and drag you down. Um, but yeah, these crowlets have this unique ability where they can actually jump through the warp during these oh. migratory things. So they end up on random planets as that High Lord of Terror found out. And sometimes they get the jump wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they just end up wherever. Or or they ended up in the right place. They don't care that there's a human population there. Okay. You know? um, and they just destroy yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're just crazy meat-eating crocodiles, aggressive and shit. So, I love that. Yeah, so the High, high Lord. Uh, basically, yeah, I want to set up a reason for the chapter being created. And I normally like to add like a little bit of like quirky 40k humor in there. So like in this one, I basically sacrificed the High Lords of Terror's 
like vacation spot, this whole paradise yeah. world. Um, and then he founded the chapter. Like he's like, well, I can't have this happen to my vacation world. And then he created this got this group to go hunt him down. Okay. Um, and it's kind of just like, uh, yeah, it's just nice kind of just, oh no, you feel bad for that planet. And yeah. Okay. Sacrificed. Okay. Um, and yeah, then I kind of just talk a little bit about, uh, what they kind of deal with. They deal with the Crowlids, but when they're not dealing with Crowlids, they're more, more than willing to help with Imperial forces. Uh, sometimes, like, they have to wait for a couple years for the the, the, the Crotalids to actually arrive. Okay. You know, so while they're there, they might as well kill some orcs on a nearby planet. Right. Okay, so they can come in handy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, another thing I threw out there at the very beginning was their fleet-based chapter. So they don't have a homeworld. Oh. Uh, they, they're just all in spaceships, and they just slowly... Just travel around. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, one thing you also learn, and... You won't pick up on this maybe as much, but it's fine. It's all good. Yeah, is, I'm new here. Yeah, new here. It's fine. Is um, Normally when I share this idea with people, all of a sudden people start like making all these crocodile memes. And it's fine, but that's not the direction I'm going with in this chapter. What's the direction? So the direction is like, these crotalids are like foul xenos that they are like on a crusade to eliminate from the whole galaxy. Mm. Um, so in this chapter, they don't end up praying to some crocodile god they don't do anything like oh. if you've heard of the space wolves you probably heard me rant about them before i mean i hear you rant for sure <laughs> <laughs> uh, but basically it they were originally this chapter that they they had wolves and then they righted wolves eventually and over the 25 years 30 years of gw writing eventually they start being like these weird wolf people and they have uh, they shoot wolf rounds and they have frost swords and it just it mm. takes everything it becomes so crazy oh, okay um and they start like they drink wolf blood and then they turn into werewolves and it's it's just over the, the top ceremony type thing yeah yeah and they end up honoring and revering them um with these guys they don't have any of these stupid like ceremonies where it's like they just have a drive to kill. They just have a drive to kill these crowlets. They're just like exterminators. So there's no purpose for them other than to destroy. Their main purpose is to destroy. Their other purpose is to, like, you know, keep the Imperium safe. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so the next portion I'll let you read. <clears throat> gene Seed. Having the purest Gene Seed stock, the Ultramarines were chosen as Space Croc's progenitor. Yeah. <laughs> All of the Gene Seed implants are active and working. While the Ultramarines are their founding chapter, they have ties or hold them in no higher regard than any other chapter and are typically isolationists, mostly keeping to themselves and their duty. So far, their gene seed has remained stable, although there has been one interesting thing to note with the li librarians of the chapter. Yeah. Looking into the ebbs of the warp for extended periods has affected their <sighs> oculobe implant. What is that? Okay, so the gene seed are these like 20 implants they put into space marines. So, you know, they enhance their hearing. They give them the lamin's ear. They, cool. The ocular lobe is like a gene seed that they put in their eye, like this genetic template that they put in their eye. So then they can see in the dark and they can see in low light and they have all these different things. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So, sorry, I'll go back. Looking into the ebbs of the war for extended periods has affected their oculobe implant turning their librarian eyes a bright yellow with the black specks, almost glowing. The tech priests at the Mac Mechanica are curious about this, but assured the chapter 
that the affected gene seed is still safe to use, but they might not have the whole truth. The chapter does have an unusual amount of librarian MIA incidents, and some members of the Inquisitorial Ordo Astartes theorize that the librarians of the chapters walk a fine line between gene purity and damnation enforced by their battle brothers. Cool. Wow. Uh, you did a great do- job reading that, actually. Thanks. There's some words like progenitor. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, aggressive for sure. Um, so, yeah, that's basically where my chapter comes from. They're an ultramarine chapter, but it doesn't really mean much to them. Um, I, I, people were tossing out I should be a white scar chapter, which are kind of more known for hunters. Okay. But it doesn't really matter. Like, normally chapters look up to their, their founding chapter as kind of like, you know, their parent chapter or whatever right. but mine doesn't really care okay um cool. the other cool thing i put in there was just a little bit of that how their gene seed is slightly corrupted already um for those really on their crocodile biology uh <laughs> the bright yellow with black specked eyes kind of like that crocodile i did see that when yeah. i was reading that yeah that so great visuals <laughs> <laughs> yeah so like uh these these librarians which are psychers so they look into the warp they can shoot lightning out their fingers they're they're mad magicians essentially in oh, okay. 40k so they look into the warp and they watch the crowland migration and slowly their eyes turn red and then if they like they start getting like a little crowland crazy i suppose like their gene seed gets affected okay um and that's not good so it's rumored that the battle brothers will take that librarian out back and put them down mysterious incident and whatnot mia interesting yeah so they look for that purity so even as i was saying earlier about like these guys aren't crocodiles and there is this one small little thing that happens to their eyes and when that happens and their battle brothers see it they expunge it they don't they do not like these crocodiles they see them as just another xenos in the galaxy that needs to be purged wow yeah very violent very (laughs) um yeah, so that's kind of why I wanted to share about those two things. Ultramarines, doesn't really matter. And then that cool kind of plot twist about the librarians. Very cool. Uh, culture. The Space Crocs have four main ideologies mixed into their chapter cult. Independence, resilience, skill at arms, and the hunt. With the chapter being spread thin across the galaxy, each group is reliant on themselves to maintain their war gear and choose their own course of actions. There is a great amount of faith put into their battle brothers, and specifically their librarians and their abilities, who seemingly lead their battle groups at random. With little access to the chapter's main armories and resources, each Astartes is taught to be resilient and determined, as well as placing high value on independent skills. The chapter is very individualistic in nature. If you do, not, if you do what you need to do, and you can trust that your battle brothers are going to do what they need to do, allowing the chapter to thrive in these smaller groups. The chapter is made up of born hunters. After all, that is their task, and they pride themselves in tracking their prey across the galaxy, stopping at nothing to eliminate them. The Space Crocs hold many traditional Astartes chapter beliefs and ritualistic practices, such as the Emperor is a god and prayer and ceremonies. However, The librarians of the chapter do partake in a unique ritual called the Becoming that they learn of and enact at the beginning of their induction into the chapter. With a fist of crow-lived teeth clasped in one hand, channeling warp energy through the teeth and up their arm, and drinking from the cup of crow-lived blood, the librarians use a combination of their psychic foresight 
and the omeophagia gland to tap into crotalid migrational jumps. These predictions are very inaccurate in the beginning, but the most skilled librarians of the chapter never miss their mark. Cool. So I did add this one little bit of a ritual that does involve some more like crotalid parts, but even then they're using it like, uh, yeah. Oh, okay. So the one gland I, I said it here, the omophagia organ. Yeah. That's like something that they, uh, basically they're able to eat an opponent's brain and like gain memories from it. It's this weird organ that gives them that. And gain it's not, their own memories? Yeah. Like, memories of the thing that they kill. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like, uh, cool. I, I think it's not too crazy. It's not like they know every little detail, but it's like they remember fear. The, the, the creature was fearful or, you know, different kind of... Character side things. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, so they, they eat some crowed brain, they kind of tap in, they channel warp energy through them, and uh, yeah, it's kind of their ritual. Um, this is one thing too, like, uh, that happens to librarians. Um, they kind of get, like, there's no real example of it happening, but so they're messing around with warp and this crowed stuff. Mm -hmm. Some people want me to take it so far as going like they start developing like scale skinned almost. Into it. Yeah, and I just like to think maybe that would happen if the chapter wasn't so vigilant that it just oh. never got to that. So yeah. that's like something unexplored that maybe I'd get into, but I really don't. I don't think the chapter wants that. Like their whole purpose is to destroy to these destroy. people yeah like so even the librarians when they see the change happening they're like fuck this like come. yeah um, yeah for sure no that makes sense uh in the beginning i was kind of just talking about how they uh they're very independent they work alone they have a bunch of ships and they don't travel in one big fleet they kind of just travel alone pick off whatever they need to and then kind of come meet back up if they have to but so they're very independent they maintain their own yeah cool i like it Okay, Combat Doctrine. The Space Crocs wage war like many other Astartes chapters, fast, direct, and brutal. They prefer to use the Overlord gunship to transport the battle groups directly to where needed before unloading a massive Gravis armor that quickly eliminates the threat with overwhelming force. The Overlord gunship will be able to hold the sky superiority over most enemies, as well as provide anti-armor ground support when needed. The chapter will rarely get involved in long drawn out engagements or defensive campaigns, preferring to take the more direct offensive approach to warfare. On a smaller scale level, the tactics used vary greatly. Squads will take up, oh, squads will be made up of Astartes from different planets, each with their own preferred hunting style. The lead librarian will seek a lot of his mindset and personality into his battle company. Squad sergeants will operate and take this to another level of individualism and personal battle tactics. Although this chapter prefers to operate independently and alone, they have shown great communication skills with local PDF, Imperial Guard, and or other chapters, trusting information and input of local forces. While they are rarely seen fighting side by side with their Imperial allies, they are perfectly adapted to, be, to being the quick surgical strike needed to break enemy opposition. Okay. Perfect. So, although they aim to destroy, they do have some people they won't destroy. They'll destroy four. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, they still work for the Imperium of Man. So, like, oh, okay. you know, the PDF, the Imperial Guard, and other chapters, like, those are still allied forces. So it's not like, just, like, a free-for-all where they just... No, no they, they, yeah, yeah. No, okay. like, they still... And they, they work pretty well alongside them as well. Like, uh, 
as well as you can expect. It's not like they're complete isolationist. Um, you know, at the end of the day, they're there to save the Imperium. So get a job done. Yeah. Okay. Uh, another thing, when I was writing like the tactics, like another thing I, I kept almost falling into the trap of was like coming up with a battle tactic that's like a crocodile. You know, where it's mm. like they create a jaw-like formation and. I just was trying to avoid that as much as possible. Um, I like to think, though, so basically they all wear Gravis armor, which is this heavy armor, and they just walk through swamps just, you know, and if Crocodile bites their leg, they're wearing the best armor the Imperium has. Like, then they can just put it down. Um, They also like to use, like, bolters and... uh, which are just, like, the basic gun. They like reliable guns because Mm -hmm. they're in the swamps a lot. They can't have, like finicky plasma weapons and stuff right yeah cool yeah i like the picture that i'm getting in my head of all of this yeah yeah i just picture them walking through the swamp super swampy yeah um oh the other thing in here was uh so the chapter is very individualistic and each kind of war band is led by the librarian and they kind of take on his mentality like his battle doctrines or whatever Mm. think like uh yeah, maybe Vikings, like how uh, you'd have like a hero and then his warband would kind of follow him and take oh, on yeah. his personality. But they're all still Vikings, but there's kind of different personalities. Some, right. yeah. So they, they kind of do that. Um, and then even the squads, they, they take that even further. So it's very individualistic. Like while the chapter works around each other, the, the squads, everyone's kind of taught to work by yourself, essentially. Right. You know, they're very kind of, yeah. Cool. Okay, recruitment. The Space Crocs have no homeworld to call their own, but being a fleet-based chapter opens up to the galaxy of potential recruits. However, they almost exclusively recruit from uh, from the tribal hunter populations across the galaxy, but they have four preferred worlds that they draw recruits from. These worlds are Kilowana 4, Harks, Graken 3, and Redacted. Uh, yeah. Oh my goodness. That's the home world of the High Lord. Oh my goodness. (laughs) The Plains plains world of Kelon 4 has a population of roaming Stone Age hunters. Their population will follow the great Mastodon-like beasts across the plains, bringing them down with bow and spear. Recruits from this plant have mastered coordinated strikes, as this is what they needed to bring down such beasts. Um, I'm going to talk about these one by one. Cool. So this one, like like I was saying, like how depending on their leader, they have kind of a different personality. This guy might work better kind of coordinating his squads because that's what he came from, from his planet, from like okay. learning how to hunt Mastodon. So when I was coming up with these four different places, I wanted each one to have kind of a specific battle tactic in mind. Okay. Um, so you, you can kind of keep your eye out for that. But uh, the ice world of Hrax breeds survivalists and patient hunters. Their main source of food on the planet is the Great Horned Seal. Their body fat is also used as a heating and lighting source. Within month-long cold snaps, the population knows how to best utilize everything at their disposal to live. Cool. Um, So yeah, these guys are just like, um, they have no problem waiting in the swamp and just surviving for a decade if they need to. Like, uh, they're used to just surviving and making whatever happened happen. Cool. Um, chill. Yeah. 
Because any place compared to their fr- frozen ice... Pl- it's like when we moved right. to Panama, and we're like, yeah. oh, goddamn, I'm never wearing a shirt again. <laughs> they keep sending me snow pictures, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> <Gross>. <laughs> exactly. You want to read one? Yeah. The planet of Kraken 3 has taught the population to use their surroundings to their advantage, creating traps and ambushes in the mountainous areas of the planet. The planet has an uncategorized population of Xenos that live deep underground, only emerging to raid, raid the local mining populations. The raids often outnumber the inhabitants 25 to 1, and so advantage that can be used is. Warbands patrol the mountains, ambushing anything that emerges from the caves. Cool. Yeah. yeah, so these guys, they're, they're known for building traps and like using the terrain to their advantage. So they're just hiding around, waiting to kill. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and then there's a cool little Xenos population. Who knows? It's just like for fucking rat people or something. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> little mountain men. Yeah. <laughs> the home world of Redacted was the High Lords of Terror's popular vacation spot. However, after the Crotalid infestation, it is rarely used as such. The planet is a lush and swampy, and the population has a standard level of Imperial tech. While it has become less popular vacation spot, the local population has tried to adjust for this by creating hunting parties to search the swamps from crotal- for crotalids in an attempt to rid them of the planet of this menace and return it to normal. Ooh. So these guys are just clearly the perfect... They've been hunting crotalids since they've been born. Yeah. Like, their planet is just infested. So they're done with it. They're taking stands. Yeah. So those are the kind of the four different flavors I want to be able to kind of inject into my chapter. Uh, but realistically, they, they, they're fleet-based chapters, so they recruit from a fucking hive world sometimes if they really have to. Like, cool. They just prefer recruiting from like these tribal hunter populations. Okay, okay. The key to their success of the Space Crocs is their librarians, and they were searched the galaxy far and wide for the best up-and-coming psychers in the arts of divination or precognition. These can mean these recruits can come from any Imperial world, such, uh, which sometimes puts them at odds with their more hunter-minder brethren's mentality. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, that's really cool. You get really creative with this. Yeah, like, it's always cool when you're writing to try to come up with, like, reasons for... Reasons to create conflict. We like conflict. Oh, yeah. Um, So, you know, even just putting the librarians in charge of the other guys, and they always lead the chapter, but they're kind of not like the chapter. And in fact, the chapter always turns on them. Right. Yeah. Um, But it's it's all part of the way the chapter kind of functions and works. So. That's spicy. Organization. The Space Crocs are a non-codex compliant chapter, deferring in a variety of ways. The chapter is a fleet base and rarely does the chapter ever gather in one place. The chapter isn't broken down into 10, 100 Astartes companies, but instead is broken down into much smaller groups called battle groups. There are no captains or lieutenants in the chapter. Instead, battle groups are led by a librarian and will only have a few squads in it, usually around 20 Astartes. A typical battle group will consist of a librarian, Two heavy intercessor squads with five to ten Astartes each, one Inceptor squad with three to five Astartes, one Aggressor squad with three to five Astartes, and one Redemptor Dreadnought. The battle group will also include a Chaplain, Apothecary, and Tech Marine, but more in their support role rather than battlefield combatants. 
Each battle group is responsible for their own recruitment and upkeep of war gear. However, the chapter does have main battle barge that they can return to for large-scale maintenance purposes. If a librarian is killed, his battle group is disbanded, and individuals might join another battle group, or they return to the battle barge for standard Astartes duties until another librarian can replace him. The chapter is led by the chief librarian, and his battle group is typically double the size of the others. There is no veteran company, instead veterancy is individually earned and through personal merit. That means that each battle group will have a few veterans mixed in with the battle brothers. Sergeants will Sergeants led their squads and are in charge of giving promotions, as well as other squad-level obligations. The chapter is small, around 3 to 500, as the limiting factor is the amount of battle groups is the availability of librarians. Um, so it's about half the size. Normally it's 1,000 guys per chapter. So That's awesome. I have questions. Yeah. <laughs> um, the battle group will include a chaplain, apothecary, and tech marine. Yeah, okay, that's a good pickup. Okay, so... Uh, a chaplain, these are different like specialist roles. Um, a librarian is another specialist ward, they're, role. They're these battle psychers. So the chaplains, they are like uh, the priests, they maintain the imperial doctrine. They, they're the ones who like do this prayer over the chapter. Um, the apothecary is a healer, so they do all the surgeries and battlefield wounds and all that kind of stuff. And then the tech marine is uh, like a mechanic. Hmm. So I, I, I didn't want these guys to be running around on the battlefield i feel like they're always going to be busy doing something and you can't risk them they're too important fair because they're, they're off alone in these small little battle groups in these small strike little cruisers they can't risk their important specialty rules that take an extra 10 years to train or For whatever sure. no that makes sense um and that you might not even have access to like a tech priest you might not ever have access to one until you go to a forge world so it's just a lot of recruiting issues so they don't fight with the chapter really that's awesome um, the other things are, yeah, I just went into like organization, kind of just well, how big these groups are. They're not that big. Um, how they break it up. Yeah, nothing too, too crazy. Uh, there is no captains. That's like the, the leadership role. Uh, the librarians, they dual like librarian leadership and captaincy at the same time. Okay. Um, is that not normal? That's not normal. Normally there's a captain who's in charge of everyone and then there's a chapter master. In here, the librarians are in charge because they're the ones who are actually directing the work jumps. So, right. So it makes sense. Yeah. And that's why you did it that way? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, because without them, it's like, wh where do we go? And it's like, the chapter right. master doesn't know. Right. So. Okay. No, that makes sense. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Armory. You want me to read this one? Yeah. The space crocs prefer to use sword class 
frigates? Frig- frigates? Frigates. Frigates? Yeah, they're these like space uh, ships. Okay. Yeah. And have a dozen or so in their ranks, but they lack any striped cruisers. They do have a battle barge, but it is rarely full of Astartes and operates mostly as a home base for gathering the chapter together. Due to the smaller nature of the space crocs, the chapter boosts boasts being able to equip all of their Astartes with their heavier style Gravis armor. This factor really helps keep the casualties low for the already smaller battle groups. The chapter also prefers reliability and ease of maintenance over more exotic tech. Bolters and missile wep- missile weaponry are the mainstay of the chapter, as they are easier to maintain than plasma incinerators or melter rifles. In melee, the power fist is the preferred weapon. Many crotalid jaws have been ripped off with such weapons. The chapter does not have the same vehicle armory as most of chapters, as their style of warfare doesn't require the use of vehicles often. Only in the largest battles do they field such weapons. However, they do have a high number of overlord gunships, which are more suited for their fast-paced style of warfare. Redemptor dreadnoughts are common in the chapter, most battle groups having at least one. Yeah. Cool. So you kind of talked about this before, um, about the exotic tech. Yeah. And just kind of like, give me something old school that works. Yeah, exactly. Um, so missile launchers and bolters. And then the other cool thing I threw in there was power fist because... Yeah, it, what is that? It's just like a big gauntlet. gauntlet um that's used for punching, but it has like a force field around it. So when you punch it, everything you touch just like explodes. Cool. Um, Many but I just picture jaws like jaws have been ripped off. Yeah, I just picture <laughs> the guy with, you know, the jaw just, yeah, yeah pinning down a crow, like ripping off his fucking face. Cool. Like yeah, yeah, takes no shit. Yeah. Um. And then a big thing that we've been talking about too is Overlord gunships. They don't have a model yet, mm. but. I'm hoping one day they get one. Why don't you just make one? I've seen a 3D printed one that like, <gasps> yeah, it's 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 saucy. Oh my God, you should do it. I I might have to. Dave, we're <laughs> in Panama now. Anything goes. Anything goes. I can get whatever I want. Do but, it. Uh, yeah, so the Overlord gunships, basically the way I picture this chapter is they fly in with this um, and they just fuck up the crowd lids. They can be, they can respond anywhere on the planet because, yeah, just because you're able to pinpoint they landing on this planet, like a planet's still pretty big. Yeah. So... Yeah, they kind of can pinpoint, they can maneuver very good. It's just kind of... It works for them. Yeah, it works for them. Cool. Uh, yeah, and then they just storm out with all Gravis armor, and they're just these big, bulky guys that can just mess stuff up. So, pretty I simple. That. That's awesome. Uh, appearance. <clears throat> uh, the Space Crocs color palette is a mix of tans, white, and black, with gold accents and white identification markers, further covered in all manner of trophies and fetishes from crotalid kills. The chapter owes its unique appearance to the purpose of their founding, as well as the mentality of the hunter populations they recruit from. These hunters often will take trophies, such as green leathers and yellowing teeth from the crotalids. They wear and kill. They kill and wear them, making the clean lines of the new Primaris armor have a grim appearance. While their gear is meticulously maintained, the same cannot always be said for the paint about their greaves on, on their war gear. As it is often chipped and weathered from walking through swamps, furthering their savage uh, visage. A lot of the markings and locations of the heraldries and icons are standard codex ones, including such things as librarians donning blue armor, tech marines red, etc. Veteran sergeants have a red helmet with a white stripe. Veterans have a white helmet. Sergeants have a red. Banners are rarely flown by this chapter. Um, yeah, so a couple cool things. 
I'm really, are you going to build this? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm very excited to see this. I kind of wish that I could see some of your other lore and how it turned out when you actually made it. Yeah. Cause this is very interesting. I'm very excited to see what you come up with. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be very cool. So just pretty much think salamanders, how they're wearing like the, the leathers and they have the teeth. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I'm just gonna green stuff all those on the models and stuff. And like like a necklace of yeah. teeth. Yeah, like exactly. A belt of I don't even know all hands. <laughs> <laughs> belt of, yeah, maybe, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I, I haven't thought about that, but like yeah, a little crocodile bone hand or something. Yeah. yeah. Something around their bicep that's just yeah. like you know, <laughs> cool. Uh, and the other cool thing is that I'm really wanting to do is like each painting project project I try to stretch what I'm doing, try right. to grow. I haven't really done much weathering, so I wanna try to weather them. Mm. Um, so around their 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 legs it's gonna be kinda of weathered, muddy. They're walking through swamps. Some of these models I even want to make water effects and cut them off at like the ankle okay. and make it look like they're actually walking through swamp. Cool. Um, so yeah, they're kind of just be, yeah. Yeah. I'm very like, you're really creative. So I'm very excited to see what this all turns out. <laughs> chapter heroes. Um, yeah. When I'm writing chapter heroes, I try to insert just like a little bit more about the chapter. Like, okay, this person did this thing and now that reveals this more detail about the chapter or this reveals how they actually relate to this organization. So I was kind of coming up with different things. I already knew I wanted to communicate, but I couldn't find a good spot in the main narrative to put it. So I kind of come up with input here. Okay, cool. So chief librarian and chapter master Caloran. Caloran is the first leader of the chapter, holding this rank since the creation of the chapter. He was selected for this honor and role after winning it in a competition. When the chapter was first created, it was only theorized that the librarians could accurately predict the crotalid warp jumps. Caloran was the first librarian to prove it could be done, Project predicting a warp jump and arriving just in time to save an Imperial Agri world from a devastating infestation. Caloran wears Gravis armor with a built-in psychic hood and wields a massive force sword. Cool, a psychic hood? Uh, that's basically like... Uh, Think of like a circuit breaker, uh, but for warp energy. You wear it around your head, and it's like all these wires where the warp energy channels through that first, essentially. Oh. Um, and it, it keeps your brain from blowing up. I was thinking like an invisibility cape. Like, <laughs> well, they so have warp power, so they could be able to turn themselves invisible. Interesting. The shrouding, I believe, is actually the call, the power it's called, at least okay. for Grey Knights. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, and then I gave him a weapon, whatever, cool, massive force sword. I know the model I want to do for him. Um, it's going to be like the grab, gra whatever. It's, it's a model. It's a mini. I'm going to fucking do it. <laughs> I'm so excited. Uh, the next guy. Do you want to read this one? Yeah. Oh, one thing I didn't say that is very important. Tell me. Before we read this guy. Make sure you tell me. We've, I've talked about it twice, but I haven't talked about it. Uh, the veterans in the company, there's no veteran company. You have a squad of like 25 guys in the librarian doing their thing. Uh, and the sergeants will pick out guys of merit and like grant them veteran status. Oh. So... You might have a veteran in the squad. Your sergeant might not even be a veteran. He might be a veteran as well. And then you might have regular guys. You might, you know, they, the veterans are just mixed in. Okay, so there's no, like, they're not set apart at all. Yeah, no. Um, Why call them that then? 
Because it's still like you've achieved like 500 years of service or you have done this great deed and saved this chapter here. So you're still a veteran of the chapter. Like like you employee of the month. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. You can read this guy. (laughs) Um, Veteran Sergeant Atros. A master tactician. Atros is one of the oldest, wisest, and most skilled of the chapters. He was part of the chief librarian Calaron Battle Company from the beginning and is often joked that he leads the chapter in times of real warfare, not just the crotalid exterminations. That is how closely Calaron values and listens to Atro's tactical knowledge and input. Atro's leads his heavy intercessor squad with an executor bolt rifle and a power sword. Yeah. Um, So he's like the... He's a tactical genius... It's said that he actually, like, when they're fighting an alien Xenos that is actively fighting back or there's an Imperial invasion or whatever, this guy actually leads the chapter because he actually, you know. The other guy is great at predicting warp crocodile. Oh, but this one's here for the battle. Yeah, and it's kind of like this honorary rank I wanted to include where it's like, um, yeah. Not everybody can do that. They call him for special stuff. Yeah. Cool. Um, Chapter champion, Zadadil. The position of chapter champion is selected by most simple of ways. Who has killed the most crotalids? Zadadil is the current champion, huge even for Astartes standard, and is one of the deadliest Astartes in the chapter. Zadadil is close, closing in on the all-time kill for crotalids, something many of the chapter believe he will overtake. Zadadil makes expert use of his jump pack and dual assault bolters to rain havoc down on anything that moves. Okay, this guy sounds badass. Yeah, he's got jetpack and like these guns, and uh, yeah, he's just able to get to places so quick and respond, and yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, what's cool about the chapter champion? So normally in normal companies, you always hear me say the word codex. You've mm-hmm. read that a couple times in here. Um, that's like how normally a chapter is organized. Okay. So the chapter champion will have like an honor guard with a chapter champion and an ancient, and they watch the the chapter master. Right. Um, but this chapter champion, there is no honor guard squad. The chapter champion position will change quite often. It could change back and forth daily, potentially. It's all about who just has the most amount of crotalid kills. Cool. And then do you, what is the all-time kill record? I didn't want to put a number to it, but I'm going to say a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll take it. It's a lot. <laughs> he's he's just covered. You can't even see power armor anymore at this point. He's taken so many trophies. Fuck yeah. He's covered in teeth. Yeah. Um Venus Demon Bane? Yeah. Opening warp portals is never a fully safe endeavor, even for the Crotalid. On one such occasion, when a rift opened up before Venus and his aggressor squad, instead of crotalids, demons poured out. His squad members were quickly cut down, but Venus would not yield, smashing demons with his dual power fists. Holding the gate and banishing a reported 100 demons, Venus Demon Bane was able to secure a gene seed of his fallen brothers. Yeah. So back to that gene seed thing. Yeah, yeah. It's very important because without it, you can't make chap- the chapter. Oh, okay, so. okay, okay, okay. Um, but yeah, this story, I, I was kind of playing with the idea of like, what would happen if demons just flooded out and then this guy kind of came to me. So it's kind of just a cool what if, you know, 
you're waiting for these crud lids to come. You're just like, I'm going to kick ass. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's not. Hell breaks loose. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. But then, yeah, he got this cool title. So. Cool. Um, the Eternal Hunter. While not an official position in the chapter, the Eternal Hunter is a nickname given to an Astartes whose name has long since been forgotten. He gave up his official place in the chapter, but now travels from battle group to battle group at his own discretion. Sometimes the battle group will wa- arrive to the hunt years early and release the Eternal Hunter onto the planet, while the battle group attends to orders. The Eternal Hunter will live for months, sometimes years, alone, waiting and watching for the Crotalid's emergence. When a battle group returns to the planet, oftentimes the Crotalid migration will already be dead with the Laz bolt from the Laz fusilid method. Wow, I wrote this and it's wordy sometimes. <laughs> uh, oftentimes the Crotalid mig- migration will already be dead with a Laz bolt from a Laz fusilid melted through their skulls. The Eternal Hunter wears a stripped-down Phobos armor and camel cape. Um, so this guy is just, he doesn't want to do chores. He just yeah, wants to... He just wants to fuck shit up and live in the wilds. Amazing. <laughs> and, like, yeah, he'll live out there for years just, like, eating frogs and, like, Waiting yeah. for these things to show up. Yeah. This guy, I came up with him uh, because he's... The one other thing he's different is he's wearing Phobos armor and yeah. not... Phobos armor is more like a scout version. I really wanted to do a conversion where he's not wearing power-armored arms maybe one is but he's basically an unarmored version so he's wearing half armor he's big and buff and you know just covered in dirt and grime and like he's covered in pouches and very like he's just good at killing because he's got experience killing yeah so i wanted to do this conversion so i kind of was like how do i do this oh do i come up with kill teams but man this the battle groups are essentially already kill teams so that came up with him Amazing. Um, the other thing I did with all these characters is I kind of came up with a character for each squad that's available in the chapter. Um, there's intercessors, there's uh, the inceptors, and there's the aggressors. Okay. So um, the in- intercessors are kind of just like your standard men, where the standard line infantry. So they have a bolt rifle and they wear the heavy armor, so they can hold objectives, they can take objectives. Uh, they have a heavy weapon in it, so they can kind of deal with tanks, but they're not dedicated to that. They're kind of just your all-arounders. Interceptors are equipped with jump packs and dual bolters, so they can respond quickly to any emerging threats. So maybe while the interceptors or inset- intercessors are holding an objective, these other guys could go zip off and counterattack over here okay. or respond over here where it's being overrun. Then there's also the aggressors who are like the heavy support and they have rocket launchers on their back and they also have two guns on their fists to kind of... Nice, that's kind of how I was picturing it. Yeah, yeah. And then they got power fists as well. So they can just fuck up like, lay down a whole bunch of bolter fire and if anything gets... easy. Yeah. So they all kind of work together. It's very much like old Space Marines where um, there's a specific purpose for the unit. Nowadays... Primaris, it's like they have all these random fucking things. Um, but these guys, it's like, yeah, no, you have your, your tactical squads, you have your fast attack, and you have your heavy support. Mm. Um, and, you know, with those three basic elements, you can make this military work. Yeah, you should be able to. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that is my chapter. There's a lot of stuff in there uh, that I'm quite happy about. Yeah. Uh, like, there's a couple things that really play on my mind, like the whole aspect of their eyes turning yellow and specked and like then their battle brothers 
hunt them down. Yeah. Like just kind of playing with like the Inquisition is just reporting maybe that that's happening, but mm-hmm. I haven't really thought how that happens. If the, the librarians give themselves up willingly right. or if like as soon as a battle brother sees it, he does it, you know, yeah. like. Interesting. Yeah. Like whether there's a chase and a. Yeah. 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 Like it, it's hard to say, but uh, I like that kind of thread that I put there. And you just never know. Yeah. So, like, do they ever beat them? Do they ever... Yeah, so I added this line in there. Uh, there will always be Crowdlid migrations. They can never win. Uh... Because there might be Crowdlids that are still in the warp and are going to arrive in a thousand years. Oh. So it's like, Shit. you can never really get rid of them. You just never know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that was something, yeah. I, I kind of came up... Like, the Crotalid is an existing thing, but I did take some liberties mm-hmm. on, like, who knows how long it takes for them to actually Crotalid jump. Right. I Can it be a thousand? Who fucking knows? But who cares? Who fucking cares? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's the chapter. I can't wait to make them. Um, they're all going to be Gravis. I'm just going to make one battle company. I don't plan on playing with them. I'm just doing this as, like, a project to stretch a lot of my, like, hobby goals. Mm. Like, I want to learn how to do the water effects. I want to learn how to do the weathering. Um, yeah, because you don't even like space marines, right? No, and I, I hate fucking Primaris marines. Yeah, I like, said I feel I would... like my whole life with you, <laughs> I've heard all this shit about how shitty everything it's is. It's funny that you bring that up. Yeah, like... I was really confused when you brought this idea to me. <laughs> like, I, I've, I've talked to Christian about this idea a lot, and, like, we almost even had this idea before there. Like, as soon as I did the Crotalid episode, yeah, I had this kind of idea in him. Right. Um, and originally we were talking about using Firstborn Marines, which are, like, the original Stardies, and I came up with ideas, but ultimately I've painted, like, hundreds, like, maybe even, like, 500 fucking Firstborn Marines. I'm not going to get any better painting them. So it'd be kind of like a dead end. The new yeah. models are fantastic. I have nothing against that. But uh, the lore is kind of shitty. But I kind of weeded out a lot of the shit lore. So Yeah, no, I think you did really well with this. I think it's very well written. First of all, yeah, let's talk about that. Because <laughs> I I write your emails for you. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I, I, when I respond to official emails to lawyers, I've used the word you. Yeah, <laughs> the, like the letter, you, the letter, letter you. And then like the, the number two. When you came in and you were like, babe, I gotta, like I was cooking dinner or something. And you're like, babe, I gotta run this by you. Yeah. And you started reading some of this. I was like, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> yeah. damn. Yeah, I, I, I've... It's like speaking the language. Like, I speak the language of 40k very good, where I throw in words like the fucking omophagia gland. And I know that language. The librarians, I speak this language. I've spoken it for, like, 25 years. Yeah, it's funny, because I definitely don't. And even while reading this, I'm like, oh, God, I hope he explains that one. Yeah, so when you speak the language, um, you can make it feel 40k. You know what terms to use. It helps a lot to make it... Like, I didn't come up with all these crazy-sounding words. Yeah, you've just read the same things for 25 years. So... Uh, yeah, I, I do enjoy writing. I don't do it often. I really have to be kind of inspired to write. Yeah. But, uh, when I do, I, I always come up with a cool army lore. Yeah. And you like, it's really interesting because I feel like the last two or two times that you've done this, cause I was around for the, uh, my squats, the squats, the prison guards. Yeah. And yeah. that was really cool to see you watch, but I, you came like, I think you had it going for weeks before you actually told me about it. And same with this one. You would, you like for months, I think you were working on it. And then you, you had enough written down. And you're like, babe, check this out. I got to tell you about something. We were like, 
Yeah, in Chestermere, not even, we hadn't left Canada yet. <laughs> and so the entire time we were on the plane, we were like traveling, you were just kept adding to it. <laughs> yeah. It was really interesting to watch. Yeah, like uh, a lot of my process involves just bouncing ideas off of Christian and Eric. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a group chat, so I'll put ideas in there like, what about this? And then originally I didn't have any rituals in there, including crowdlid stuff. But then Eric's like, you should definitely do like a ritual where they're jingling some crowdlid bones mm. and like, like, oh, that's a fucking sweet idea. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I talk to some people and they give you some input and, you know, you eventually realize, oh, I don't want that. And, oh, I do want this. And right. So yeah. can we back up? Cause what exactly is your process? You did the crotalit episode. Yeah, I did that. And then I put like this, like they instantly became one of my most favorite things in 40 K by mm-hmm. far my favorite animal in 40 K. Right. Uh, and then naturally I had to kill it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So then eventually, like, I just kind of, I've always liked salamanders. Like, my very first Space Marine chapter was, like, this lizard chapter where they hunted lizards and pyrodrix, whatever. And then the salamanders (laughs) are another lizard. So I've always kind of liked dragons. I bought a suit of armor, and I have a dragon printed on it, and, like, I I did knitted dragon scale to make it look like scales. Yeah. I've always kind of liked the idea of killing them, I guess. Oh, that's nice. Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it, it just naturally kind of came came together. But cool, I think it's awesome. Yeah, it's very captivating. I'm very excited to see what you build. Yeah, I cannot wait. Like I'm gonna put every ounce of effort into these models. So yeah, we're so close to you being able to actually start that. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. Cool. Uh, well, thanks for joining me. Thanks for reading. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Um, so this is the Lorehammer. Li- oh, if you want to listen to more of me and Batty B, you should come listen oh, yeah. to us on Pillow Talk. It's another podcast where we do. Uh, it's about, you know, love, relationships, just joking around, just talking yeah. to your partners, really. Yeah. Normalizing being best friends with your partners. Yeah. Oh, I th- ooh, wow. Okay. Really, I like that. that yeah. Is. I can even talk to you about 40K and I know you don't get it, but. I don't get it at all. But, but babe, you sit across from me and look so happy. I'm beaming. So if you want to hear more cuteness, come <laughs> join us at Pillow Talk with Mark and B. Uh, but thanks for listening to Lorehammer Listener Lore. Don't forget to send in your lore. Batty B, if you have a lore you would like to share with us, uh, I would love to have you back on. I've but... been working on a juicy one. So. Okay. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> cool. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Thanks for listening. If you would like to submit your story, you can email lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our Patreon page and support the show at Lorehammer Listener Lore. See you next episode. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.